tuning in to our Neighborhood Church podcast. Join us on Sunday at any of our locations. To learn more about our church, visit neighborhoodchurch.com or download our church app. Hey, good morning. (laughs) Morning, everybody. Um, I am pastor over at the Los Alamitos campus. My name is Justin McKeldry. Um, Many of you know me, many of you don't. And it seems like uh, I came a long way just to close in prayer, because I don't know what else we need after what we've had this morning, right? That testimony was fantastic, and that song was something, something. So I feel like I need one of those headbands to cut down on the glare, but I, I, didn't, I didn't plan for that, so apologies. Um, but it's good to be with you guys. Uh, on Thursday, I had the privilege of opening in prayer at a city event that was put on by the Los Alamitos Chamber of Commerce. It was an appreciation lunch for frontline medical workers and those who serve in uniform who have been so critical to our communities over the last 18 months. And they called it a hero's appreciation lunch. And I love that. I think that's so great. They're heroic in their service to others. And there's definitely a biblical feel to that, right? When I prayed, uh, I kind of snuck a little sermon in there at the beginning of it where I talked about how Jesus says, those who want to be great, you need to serve. And not you don't lord power over others, you serve people. And I love that. Don't you love that? Yeah, we love that. We absolutely love that. There's wisdom to it, which you'd expect from Jesus, right? There's just something that sounds right about it. Um, it's spiritual, it's humble, it's every bit true, but I'm going to propose something that I think we like the idea of it more than we actually like it, right? Um, Like, as you shared your least favorite chore, tell me you wouldn't be thrilled if someone took that chore off your hands. Or even if there's a chore you like, so long as they do it right, you wouldn't mind if someone took that off your hands. That we tend to grow weary in doing good. That's why the Bible tells us to not do that, right? Because that's our challenge. The, the grind gets to us and has it ever gotten to us the last 18 months. In fact, I was reading an article. It was written to encourage pastors who have struggled over the last year and a half and reminding them, hey, your work is not in vain. It's been hard, but, but you know, God, God sees you. God, you know, is, is, it was intended to be an encouragement, and it was. Um, but I think more than pastors need that kind of encouragement. I think all of us do. And so today we're going to look at Paul as an apostle and as a pastor, but I don't think it should be a passage that's just reserved for a pastor's conference. I think there's something in all of this for us because we all serve in some way and we play a pastoral role or we should in those places where God has placed us in our workplaces, in our home, and certainly in the church as we serve there. And so with that in mind, what I want to do is ask a few questions of you as you consider how you've served over these last 18 months and tell me if any of these resonate with you? Have you asked yourself over the last year and a half, why is this so hard? Have you thought, where did my motivation go? Whether that's serving at church or whether that's working with all you've got on your your regular job. Is there any point to what I'm doing here? How long can I keep this up? I'm really, really tired. Or maybe... It's been a few months and you've said, I'm done, I'm already tapped out, but maybe I should get back in the game. How do I do do that? Now, I don't know about you, but those are kind of uncomfortable questions for me. I don't want to think about all of these for fear that I won't like the answer, right? But that discomfort reveals that there might be something worth paying attention to there. I hope you don't have that discomfort, but I know many of us do. So um, just as that lunch was intended to encourage heroes, so God calls us to be heroes in our own spaces, and I want to encourage you today. 
with some insight from how Paul serves and how Paul has the energy to continue serving faithfully despite the difficulties facing. He's in jail all the time and he keeps pushing forward and serving. He gets beaten and he gets up and goes back into the city. Like Paul has endurance and we wanna see what is some of what was working in him and how can that go to work for us as we seek to serve God? Our title today is Sacrificial Service for the Good of Others. And some of us are saying, hey, I've been there, I've done that and I'm done with that. And others are saying, well, I'm, I'm fading, and so I need that encouragement. And that's what I hope I'm able to share with you this morning from the Scripture. So if you would stand, if you're able, and pray with me, and then we'll get into the text here. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for those people that you've called, like Paul, to live a life that is just amazing, but not in and of himself, <laughs> of himself, he was a murderer and he persecuted the church and did many terrible things, but you got hold of him, Lord, and you changed him. And you changed him into one who looks to you for his strength to do what you've called him to do. And that's what each of us wants in the world and in the place that you've placed us. So speak to us this morning. Help us hear what you want us to hear. Help us to probe maybe those uncomfortable places that we'd rather leave alone um, so that we can um, have that endurance in service or maybe start that journey of service that we've not or that we need. So speak to us, give us ears to hear, give us eyes to see, give us the courage to walk through whatever challenge you have for us on the other side. In Jesus' name, amen. So as you're turning, we're at the end of Colossians 1. <clears throat> we'll go to the end of Colossians 1 and the beginning of Colossians 2. And I want to frame our thinking by simplifying some categories for us. And, and I want to simplify, but not be simplistic here. And so we want to kind of tie much, as much of the Bible together as we can. And you may recall one of Jesus's interactions in the Gospels. He asked what the greatest, was asked what the greatest commandment was. And who remembers his reply? Anyone? Yeah, love the Lord your God with everything you got. And the second is like it, which is love your neighbor as yourself. Yes, so it's loving God, loving neighbor. And so <clears throat> what we're gonna do is we're gonna use that as our rough framework. We're gonna, we're gonna look today and, and, and tweak that a little bit, but that's kind of what we see in this passage where we're gonna look in the first half of it in verses one to 24 to 29, at looking at honoring God and how that factors into how we serve. And then the second part will be loving others, loving our neighbor, loving people. And then that will be, kind of more people-focused. So we'll go vertically in terms of honoring God and then how that plays out horizontally as we serve one another. So let's get to it. Honoring God, we're going to start in verse 24. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of the body, that is the church. That's yikes, right? That sounds really serious. So we're starting here with the most difficult verse in Colossians for sure, maybe in all of Paul. It ranks really high up there. But the basic point is that following and serving involves suffering like Jesus. And so we honor God by suffering faithfully. And you may say, well, pff, that's not fun. Send this guy back to Los Al or wherever he came from. I don't want to talk about suffering. We don't like suffering, but that's what Paul's talking about here. Now, if you're wondering how Paul fills in what is lacking in Christ's suffering, so is everyone who's ever read, read this passage, um, because that is a strange um, word. So, um, <clears throat> a strange 
phrasing there that makes us think, wait a minute, is something lacking in what Jesus has done? And, and we'll, it's, it's a large theological thing to unpack. We'll do that on the podcast. But the short version is nothing is lacking in the sufficiency of what Christ has done. Um, so, and, and Paul covers that in Colossians. Mike talked about that last week. It's clear throughout all of Paul's letters that there's no lacking in Christ's sufficiency. It is more than enough. So it doesn't mean that. Um, And what it does mean is that there's some kind of suffering in our lives that is, it happens as we walk in line and serving like Jesus did. So we don't sacrifice and save people, but a Christ-shaped life involves some difficulty. That's all you get this morning. We'll unpack the nerdy stuff on the podcast. Some of you are sad. Most of you can say thank you afterwards. But For us, uh, part of loving God through service is understanding that suffering comes with the territory. And if we keep reading, we understand that the suffering, it doesn't make Paul waver in the fact that he's been called by God. Verse 25 says, so uh, for the sake of his body, that is the church of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. Paul suffered Big time. He suffered in a lot of different ways. We've already touched on some of those, but that never made him waver in the fact that God had called him to do this. So if you're serving or you're struggling or you're battling, that's not a marker that God doesn't want you there. In fact, sometimes it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an endorsement of that's where you're supposed to be. You have to discern. It's not always the case, but it's definitely not a disqualifier of God's, that that's where God wants you to be. See, Paul's clear on what Jesus has called him to do, and Jesus was clear to us too. He said, hey, in this world, you're going to have trouble. This service becomes this denial of the self for the sake of God and others, which means it's not comfortable. And it was never intended to be comfortable. It's in some ways a mark of legitimacy. But I run from it. I don't know about you. I mean, Jesus suffered. Paul suffered. I don't even like to be inconvenienced. Right? I want things on my own terms. I want things in my own time, such as the American way for most of us, but that's not the Jesus way. And so as we seek to serve well, we have to have this clear vision that it's not supposed to be easy. It's it's not supposed to be without sacrifice. It's going to hurt sometimes. But the way of service is the way of the cross. And I know we use crosses for jewelry and we we beautify it uh, because it means so much to us and that's fine, but it's pain. That's where people went to die. So are you willing to sacrifice as you serve to be inconvenienced, to even suffer? And this, by the way, can translate not just to stuff that happens here at 6143 Ball Road, but happens wherever you happen to be because we're serving everywhere. We are God's representatives. We are pastors in a sense everywhere we go. And so this can translate to how you serve people anywhere from home to work, wherever. And some of you are saying, wow, I wish I would have known this earlier. Um, And if that's where you are, the comfort here is that this comes with the territory. And that doesn't sound comforting except to say that maybe you shouldn't be surprised. We shouldn't be surprised. It's like, okay, this comes with it, and this is what Jesus has called me to, so I'm going to keep moving forward. We don't have to like it. But in some ways, it's this badge of faithfulness that we should glory in rather than run from. And that's what Paul does. If you look at 2 Corinthians, and I, um, I think it's 2 Corinthians 11, Paul just goes through this Dr. Seuss-style list of the ways he's suffered. It is, it is like a dark Dr. Seuss there, and he, he suffered. And he says, that doesn't prove that I'm not doing what God's supposed to, God wants me to do. It actually is proof that I'm right on track with where he's leading me. So um, 
we're, this one is the exception of taking a lot of time to look at these points but and subpoints, but um, the rest will be a little quicker. So I want to give you a question for you to write down, and I want you to ponder this later and think about. And so this is the first thing I want you to ask yourself as you have some more time to reflect. And it's, am I willing to sacrifice to serve God? Seems like a simple question, but it may not be. So spend some time asking the Holy Spirit to show you what's happening inside of you when you ponder that question. Am I willing to sacrifice to serve God? And if so, how much? And if not, why not? Now, thankfully, suffering isn't the end of the story. As we look at the next element of honoring God, we see that this suffering is worth it. Because now we see that honoring God means delighting in Jesus. Look at verses 26 and 27. So to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints, to them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Man, what a passage. Paul delights in serving the church and he wants to make God's word fully known. Now, mystery was a... um, kind of a technical term in Colossae and in that region where it was something that there would be these things called mystery cults. And it would be this spiritual experience that people would pursue and they would have this amazing moment and only really some pretty spiritual elite could actually attain this. And Paul says, that's junk. That, that's not the mystery at all. It's not found in some mysterious ritual or experience. It's found in the scriptures. From the beginning where a deliverer is promised to Adam and Eve after their sin that one would come and crush the serpent's head to the universal promise to be the father of, of the nations and bless the world in, in a very, very local Abraham, um, a mysterious, powerful figure that will fill the earth in the book of Daniel. God's been up to something bigger than we can imagine from the beginning. And now Paul is saying, hey, here he is. And, and this mystery has been revealed, and it's Jesus, and even more than that, it's Jesus in the midst of you, his people. And he is offering you this hope of glory that some people think is only available to a few, but it's available to all those whom God will reveal it to. And he's in, that's, that's how he's in them here. I know you guys are doing the, the theme of the in thing each week, the little skit, which is fantastic. Well, here it's Christ in us in his body together. And his people, they aren't a spiritual elite. And, and, and one of the amazing things is it's not just for the Jewish people, which it had been for centuries, but now it's opened up to Jew and Gentile alike to all the nations. So this is an amazing story of a long-suffering love that God has for all people with a twist like no other, that God has come in flesh and dwelt among us. And not only that, but he was crucified and killed by his creation so that he could save them and have them reconciled to his father. And we honor God as we delight in this reality and we do all we can to help people grow in this. That's what Paul was committed to. And so we have to know we're going to suffer, but we also have the amazing joy of delighting in the Jesus story. And it's amazing. And we can't lose our amazement of it. I mean, if you weren't here last week, go back and read Colossians 1, 15 to 20. Amazing hymn or poem to, to Jesus, it's, it's outstanding. Watch Pastor Mike's message on it. And, and, and that helps us see how big Jesus is. And so when we suffer when, when it, from whether stubbing our toe or it's devastating suffering, we still can look and say, yes, he's worth it. 
So I want to ask you another question. The next thing I want you to ask yourself is, what am I doing to grow in awe of Jesus? So, I mean, some questions are, are you in the word, right? It, it doesn't, it, our default is the flesh. It doesn't come to us naturally. We need to engage. So are we in the word? Are, how are we doing with our church attendance where we come and celebrate and lift Jesus up and, and that renews our hearts and the Holy Spirit speaks to us? Do we ever get outside and ponder creation and look at the wonder of this world God has made? In our detached and digital world, it is easy to lose awe. Don't let that happen. So honoring God shows up in our service as we suffer, as we delight in Jesus. And finally, we see that we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now, before we get to that, we get a preview of where we're headed in terms of the loving others by seeking their full transformation. We'll get to that in a minute. But Paul, you know, he, doesn't, he decided not to follow my outline, so he, he starts it a little early here. Uh, verse 28, him we proclaim, this is Jesus warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. So that's where we're headed which is a huge job. If you've worked with people, like if you've led a small group or even you just have long-term friendships where you talk about important things, you know how slow growth can be. There's sometimes these great bursts. There's sometimes steps backwards. There's sometimes where things stay pretty flat. And so this transformation of any of us looking like Jesus is a big job. And so Paul knows that he can't do it, that he needs to rely on God's work in him, and that's what we see in verse 29. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works in me. I don't toil when I watch a game. I don't toil when I, I don't know, that's the main way I waste time. So, you know, but you, you I fill in the blank for you. There's some things that aren't toil. Paul's toiling. This is work. But so there's, there's no romance here. Paul is grinding. He's giving everything he has and he knows all that he has ultimately is a gift from God and he is pouring that out to serve the Colossian church and anyone who will listen in, in, in many ways. And so um, this is the mystery of human engagement and divine empowerment. And we may not know how it all works, but Paul's a pretty firm believer that I work and God works through me and Paul's a pretty good, um, reliable source. So so now the question is, how do we rely on the power of the Spirit as we minister? That's the thing to think about. Whether at church or at home in the workplace, uh, some probably just walk so closely with Jesus that it's easy. And if that's you, good for you. But for the rest of us, um, we might need some help. And so one of the things uh, that we might look for is triggers. And I know triggers can be like a, a negative term, like you get mad when something happens in particular. That's not what I'm talking about here. But look for things that would trigger you to rely on Jesus throughout the day that would help you rely on the Holy Spirit. And, and I'm talking like simple, almost cheesy stuff here, but if it works, it works, right? So if the clock chimes every hour, wherever you work, use it to remind you to check in with Jesus and just say, how we doing, Lord? Or if it's every 15 minutes, even better, right? If your alarm clock's an option, set an alarm there on your phone or, or, or whatever. Maybe there's a person who you interact with who is particularly difficult and, and, and they trigger you in the, the bad way of triggering. Let that, let that be something that reminds you, said, Father, I need your help in this interaction. And that becomes a way that you increasingly rely on Jesus. The bell for passing period, lunch, whatever. I don't know what you need to do, but figure something out where it happens regularly that you would check in with God and say, hey, how are we doing here? And how can... Where do I need redirection? Where do I need your strength for what's left for today? And before you know it, you'll be walking in the power of the Spirit 
and, and doing what he's called you to do. So the last question for the honoring God portion here is, what are you doing to walk and live in the power of the Holy Spirit? And certainly that's word, prayer, and maybe there's some other things that you do that, that, are, that are helpful. So think about that. We honor God by persevering and suffering, delighting in Jesus, living and serving, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And that's the honoring God portion of our passage, but we're only halfway done. We're more than halfway done time-wise, um, but we are uh, about halfway done content-wise here. I don't know if that makes sense, but Stick with me. Um, Now we're going to see Paul turn his attention to the pastoral engagement with the church, with people in particular, instead of just, this is my personal calling. This is how it all works. This is how I'm called by God. Now we're getting more specifically into here's how it shows up with you Colossians. And so we want to look at now how Paul loves people and think about how we can do the same in the areas where God has placed us. And so it starts with hard work. Verse one, for I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face. Paul is working hard. And what's impressive is that he hasn't even met these guys face to face. He doesn't have any personal relationship, at least not with many of them. And yet, because of the calling we looked at, that he is so committed to seeing people grow up in their faith, he is going to still work hard for them to give them what they need to get to the next step of where they are spiritually. And he has to work hard because those goals of ministry are not easy to achieve. And we've looked at that and we'll look at that again in a minute. But again, I'll ask another question. How hard am I willing to work to serve others? This kind of goes alongside with the... uh, whether we're willing to sacrifice for God, but this might be more, the first part might be more, what are we willing to put up with because of what God has called us to do? And this might be more of, what am I willing to put out because of what God has called me to do? So this shows up, our work shows up in how we serve others. Next, as we saw a few, uh, back a few verses, Paul is looking to see spiritual maturity develop among the Colossians, a maturing and then unifying faith. Look at verse two. So, for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. So, there's a lot in there. We'll break it down really quickly here, but this is what we want in the worlds we influence. Do people leave your presence with their hearts encouraged? That's a hard question for some of us. Um, the heart here isn't just feeling happy, but, but it's the center of who you are. Do people leave your presence saying, I can do this. I can do whatever is called of me next. Paul wants people experiencing hope and courage in the deepest parts of who they are after they have Im- been impacted by him. That's a great challenge for any of us. And he also wants them united too. This isn't about just them feeling good about themselves and Paul being buddies with everyone individually, but he wants them bonded together as a church body as they move forward. Can you imagine the testimony this would be in our world today if we could demonstrate this kind of unity? A unity that's more important than any of the views that we have in the world today, whether it's masking or vaxxing or political perspectives or anything like that. If we say, yeah, 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 we may have our issues there, but we're all about Jesus together. John 13 says, they'll know us by our love we have for one another. So we need to be team builders, peacemakers, not just making sure everyone's good individually, but saying, hey, let's be together as a body. And of course, full understanding and knowledge are critical to this because if we don't understand what God's about 
and what we're supposed to be about in light of that, um, then we can find ourselves unifying and being passionate about the wrong things. Well, it's good to be passionate about lots of things, but we could be most passionate about the wrong things when we're supposed to be most passionate about God. So as Jesus's people, we need to be unified around him above all else and, and those other things, worldviews, philosophies, all of that stuff needs to be subject to him and his word. So the next question, what kind of effect do I have on people? Do they leave my presence encouraged, built up? And by the way, that doesn't mean you're a cheerleader all the time. Sometimes people need rebuke to, to get them on the right track, and, and they might not feel encouraged the moment they leave, but after some reflection, it'd be, that's just what I needed. So it's not just being nice. It's helping people reach the fullness of Christ and, and who he wants them to be. So as we keep reading here, we need to remember Jesus is awesome and people need to know him. And Paul can't help himself from giving Jesus a shout out from time to time. And so that's what he does here. Again, he's not, he's not really sticking to my outline. So, um, but he says, which is Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this seems random to us. And the best thing we can do to, to love people is to love Jesus first. But when we see this, this, um, wisdom and knowledge piece, this will come out more because there, and I, I mentioned it earlier too, there's some people that are claiming this special knowledge that they have and, and we'll get into what some of that is next week. But Paul has been dropping wisdom and knowledge for the last chapter, getting ready and laying the groundwork for him to reveal that all you need is Jesus. He's the ultimate wisdom and knowledge that we need. And so that will set everything else in its proper place around him. So He's what they need, so he constantly points them to him. And if he goes too many verses without that, he's just, it's just going to kick in there. And that's what he does here, right? He's like, hey, let's not forget what this is all about. So then the last way we see that Paul loves people is this. He says he, he, he watches out for them and believes in them simultaneously. Let me explain. Let's read to the end of the passage, then we'll cover this. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. So two things are happening here. Paul sees that there's wolves on the horizon, whether they're inside or outside the church. He sees trouble, and we'll see that next week. But he doesn't see them as helpless. He sees them as you guys, when it says good order and the firmness of your faith, that's military language saying you guys are a well-organized, strong fighting army. And so he's doing two things at once. He's saying, there's trouble ahead, but I know you guys got what it takes. So it's not, hey, there's trouble ahead and you're incompetent. Or it's not saying, well, I'm not going to mention the trouble because they've got this. It's both. It's the communication of saying, there's problems, but you guys, you guys can do this, and I'm going to give you a few extra tools to help you be equipped to do that. He's helping them be ready for the fight at the same time letting them know he's confident they're going to win it. And we need to think the same of those we serve. We need to have a confidence in them and a concern for them that they are headed the right direction and doing what God has called them to do. And then, like I said, Paul goes on to equip them. And so there's a lot here. Uh, we've gone through it fairly quickly, but if we're going to love people through service, then we need to, to lean into community. It, it, it's, it's caring for each other. There's this unity piece that's important. There's this life-on-life -life connection that matters. And, and sometimes we need that community that, that pushes back a little bit, that has some teeth in it to correct us as we need it as well, to get through our layers of self-protection and maybe superficiality. And life groups are a great 
place for that. And they don't start there. It takes time. So you might have been in the life group for three weeks and saying, man, we're, we, we, aren't, we aren't going that deep. Um, give it time. It takes time to build trust and go deeper in that. And those groups that have been around for a while, I, I can probably attest either, because if, if they if they didn't do that, they'd be bored of each other right now. Uh, so, um, but groups have been around a while, they get to real stuff. They pray for real heartache. They deal with real struggles together. And that takes time. So check out a life group. I don't think it's too late to hop in one for all church focus. So um, get in one of those. And that can be your initial step towards that fellowship that each of us needs to go deeper and to, to be who God's called us to be. Maybe for you, it could be Celebrate Recovery, a fantastic ministry that deals with some deeper stuff. Um, and it's very much life-on-life life transformative stuff to help us with hurts, habits, and hangups. Great ministry, great opportunity to engage at a deeper level to deal with some of the things that might trip us up. Maybe it's even rekindling a friendship. Um, and maybe it was a friendship where you dealt with real stuff and for whatever reason, well, we can think of lots of reasons over the last couple of years, right? Of why that friendship might've grown cold, but now you're like, no, I need that. And so you pursue them and rekindle that and have coffee or whatever it is that you met over and bonded over and talked about real life with. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's, you're stubborn and you need to repent and you've harmed someone and you need to seek their forgiveness and restore that relationship. Or, they've harmed you and you need to offer forgiveness because they've sought that. Whatever it is, we need to pursue those relationships that go deep enough for God to use them to actually change us. So the last question for you is what ongoing transformative relationships I am, am I engaged in? I made that sound really complicated, but you get the idea, I think. That is not a quick Quick fix, not a silver bullet, but what long-term relationships do I have that will help me be who Jesus wants me to be? And so as we prepare to wrap this up, what I want you to do, hopefully you wrote these questions down. I should have put it on one slide, but I didn't. So hopefully you did. If not, you can talk to me afterwards. But um, pick one or two of those. If you pick all six, that means you're not going to do any of them. So just pick one or two, right? You know, so, um, so pick one or two of those and say, okay, God, let's talk about this. Maybe it's this afternoon. Maybe it's over lunch with friends where you can ask them, hey, which one do I need to pick? Then you know you have a real friend if they tell you the truth. Um, but start wrestling with these and say, God, what, what, what long-term change do you want to see happen here? How can I honor you? How can I love people better? And, and with that, I just want to make one quick um, caveat here is that we can then turn those questions and, and, and God's responses into this burden that, that weighs us down and sucks the joy out of life. And that is not what we want. These are saying, God, what do you want to work with me on to see this transformation in my life? How do I to, to live in the spirit in such a way that this is a joyful pursuit of looking more like Jesus? And we can't do that without the Holy Spirit. So if you leave here saying, man, I got a lot of work to do, then you've misheard me or I've miscommunicated, whatever it is, that's bad. But if you leave here saying, hey, God wants me to look a little more like Jesus and he's gonna help me get there and I can't wait to work with him on that, that's what we're talking about. That's what we wanna see. So, um, and when we, when we do these things in the power of the spirit, I'm confident those questions, those uncomfortable questions, at least for me earlier, I'm confident we can answer some of those questions positively if we can lean into these questions, challenges, things that Paul did and say, yeah, I am making a difference. Maybe it's not everything I'd hoped, but yeah. 
no, I don't need to throw in the towel, that, that God's still at work and he's with me and, and there's a future here. Opportunities abound. Things may not be going the way we expect or want, but we can be confident as we follow Paul's lead that God is still working through us. And ultimately, that's all that matters. We're his, and he uses us how he will. So may God help us repent if we need to. Be encouraged if that's where we are and saying, this is great. Yeah, if you like, are like feeling like, man, I'm doing pretty well, that's okay. Good for you. We're, we'll celebrate that with you. Um, others of us, this is what we need to kind of give us that spurring us forward. Um, just take those next steps in honoring and serving God by loving and serving others. And in those steps in that journey, uh, we'll be well on our way to thriving in Jesus. Would you pray with me as the worship team comes and prepares to lead us in our next portion of worship? Father, thank you for your amazing goodness to us. That even we see you take someone like Paul, who was not just alienated from you, but hostile towards you and turn him around. Lord, we know that you can use us as well. And some of us are on that right track, but we're tired. And I pray that we would take courage and encouragement from what you have for us this morning in the word. Others of us, Lord, are maybe sidelined because we, we just got wiped out. We, it was overwhelming. And I pray that we would begin to feel that renewal to serve you um, when the time is right, as we process and work through a time of healing. And for others, Lord, if it's just never thought of before, that, that serving has never been on what I do. I, I, I enjoy attending church, but I, I haven't thought of what I could do and how I could contribute. And if that's where they are, Lord, help them to discover that next step. We're all in different places, Lord, but you're all taking us to the same destination. And that is becoming more and more like Jesus. So thank you for calling us on that journey and help us to engage it joyfully by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray.